Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. All right, welcome back, Solar Warriors. I am so grateful that you are taking time out of your busy day to give us the one thing that is a non-renewable resource. You won't get it back. That, of course, is your time. I hope that we can earn your attention throughout today's conversation. And I hope that you'll come back and subscribe to the show as a result. If you are tuning into this but did not listen to part one, then I will ask you to pause. Go back. Listen to part one of my conversation with solar and general tech serial entrepreneur Angel investor, coach, and mentor, Karim Baran. We go through Karim's entire backstory of how he uh, came out of Turkey to the United States, got uh, a, a much sought after education, both <laughs> at school and in the real world, how he created and sold two different companies, one of which is a company many of you'd recognize, Civic Solar. And uh, we're going to pick up a little bit where we left off from the last conversation in today's conversation. But I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode, uh, to the part one of this episode, where some of the takeaways were reverse engineering success in your startup, uh, how to think about investing, which we'll talk a lot more about today, and uh, and really so much more on the nature of knowledge and power. We're going to dig deep, deeper into that today. Uh, the haves and the have-nots and, uh, and what distributed energy represents for our our not only our global economy but our interconnectedness as humans i have really enjoyed getting to know karim over the last decade but certainly over the last uh year and a half to two years and i promise that you're going to want to stick around for this part two um all the way to the end we've got a lot of fun things to talk about if you love these kinds of conversations that really unpack the insights from what I call the founders and solar warriors on the front lines of the clean energy transition. You've found the right place. Suncast has been doing this for eight years, more than 600 episodes in our back catalog, which you can go explore. If not in your podcast player of choice, then certainly at mysuncast.com where you can learn more about me and some of the other fun ways that we interact in our community of what we affectionately call solar warriors. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, solar warrior, as we dig in and tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Well, Kieran, we're back for part two. And, Happy to uh, be back. You're still wearing, you're still wearing that sexy uh, hooded white shirt that you always wear, and I'm still wearing this uh, microphone uh, podcast movement shirt. It's almost like it's the same day. <laughs> uh, this is the beauty of, of video production, but this conversation was longer than one session would allow, and so uh, I'm glad that we get a chance to to press pause, collect our thoughts, and come back for a second bite at the Apple. We left off after you had sold Civic Solar to CED Green Tech. Um, and you also shared some of the investment advice 
through the form of two wonderful books. I'm not going to give those away. You have to go back and listen to another episode if you didn't as to what those books were. You know, I'm, I'm curious some of the things that we didn't get into that you did learn through Civic or observed. I want to start with the story around Inky uh, Solar Fund. Um, but before I do that, I know that there's some things that sort of run in parallel for you post-Civic. Is there anything that you feel you observed at Civic Solar that represented for you still an unresolved need or opportunity in the industry? And, uh, and talk a bit about your observations there. One of the things that I observed very quickly in the solar industry is how rapidly costs are coming down and yet how residential solar after you know a decade, after a decade and a half almost of being in the solar industry is still to this day being sold at three, four dollars, three to four dollars a watt by many of the mm-hmm. key players. And and mainly the, the you know uh through the lease PPA model, which is mainly because consumers are still so ignorant to the fact that the components of solar and the labor, if you all, all add them all up, it, like you can actually create that product for half the cost. And in many places around the world, um, a final installed solar system costs around a dollar, a dollar a watt, or lower in certain cases. And yeah. yet we are paying so much in the U.S. I mean, uh, you know, if you look at a single panel, panel costs in China are probably close to 25 cents a watt right now, uh, yeah. wholesale, slightly more uh, retail, you know, at t- 10, 20% max. Uh, and the same thing in the U.S., maybe 50, 60 cents. And that asset class, if you think about that as an asset, a value-creating asset, and it is, when you lay a, a single solar panel under the sun, it, I would argue that it is probably the, one of the best, best asset classes of all financial uh, you know, asset classes in the sense that it, yeah. gener- it generates electricity that is equal to 50% or more of its value every year. What other financial right. class, uh, you know, financial asset do you have that generates a 50% dividend every year? Of course, when you add the inverter, the racking and all the balance system and other costs, th- that formula changes a little bit. But but it is still an enormously powerful asset class that's been growing at 30%, 40%. But yet, you know, 90% plus of homes in the U.S. are not taking advantage of this. Or, and even the ones that are, half of them are buying their systems through uh, lease PPAs for sometimes good reasons. But it's just everything becomes so inefficient. And, and that is one thing that, is a little bit frustrating to to watch um, happen in the industry. That is uh, something that um, needs to change. Uh, I've read some of your writing and heard some of your other podcast interviews. And I'm curious uh, uh, if you can go into a little, um, I'm going to see if I can connect some dots here for the listeners and maybe even for you and I, but talk to me about the importance of what Tony Seba refers to as God parody. Everybody in our industry yeah. knows grid parody, but let's, yeah. let's unpack God yeah. parody. So the grid parody, most people know what it is. You know, when solar produced electricity is cheaper than the alternative uh, ways of production, 
you know, coal, natural gas, you name it. And that, that's happened in many geographies and many contexts all around the world. A decade and a half ago, people were telling me, very smart people were telling me it would never happen. Obviously, it, it did happen. Mm-hmm. And we're way past that point, which is great. But what most people don't know or don't think about is this concept of God parity, which I believe Tony Seba uh, coined. And I, I, I uh, fully agree with his uh, predictions that God parity is coming. And what that is, is that, you know, most in most places in the U.S. and around the world, when you look at a utility bill of a home or a business, about half the cost of that bill or about, you know, half the bill is due to the production cost of power. And the other half of the bill reflects the distribution and transmission costs, which is essentially the amortization of the grid, keep upkeeping the, the maintenance of the grid. Um, so Tony Seba argues with God parity that we there will come a time soon in a decade or a decade and a half or two max, in my opinion, uh, maybe sooner, um, that locally produced s- solar electricity locally stored in a battery and locally consumed will be cheaper than half the cost of your current electricity bill, which means it will be cheaper than the transmission cost. What does that mean? So that means even in a world where you have potentially completely free nuclear or fusion electricity, you still have to pay for that grid cost, which is half the cost of your of your current uh, electric bill. But with with the current cost structure and the rapidly um, coming down prices of equipment, so panels, inverters, uh, and batteries, there will come a time in the next decade, decade and a half, when that on-site produced electricity is going to be cheaper than maintaining the grid. So the grid will be kind of a... I don't think it's going to go away for another two, three decades, but it's going to be a backup. It's going to be an optional secondary source of power for most um, electricity consumed. And yeah. and that that is something that I think Bill Nussi talks about uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, he does a lot. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's coming. Not many people are thinking about it because a lot of the conversation is still around investing in infrastructure and assets with, you know, 30, 50 year lifespans. And, uh, you know, things might change much faster than that. So that is yeah. my, uh, my view on that. And that guides yeah, also a- some of my recent investments, uh, on the yeah. venture side. And, um, because, uh, I believe, uh, we will have, you know, John and I talk about this in the context of one million million dollar microgrids around the U.S. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be exactly million dollar microgrids. It might be half a million or quarter million dollar microgrids, but I think we will have a million microgrids, literally. Yeah, and so that's coming, and uh, that'll be exciting to watch. My observation, having had lots of conversations with you, uh, and maybe conjecture around kind of two of the core conjectures or observations you come away from the civic solar experience with, which was a decade of building a well-respected, highly efficient operating machine that forced you to understand not just how the business operates and the, and the industry operates, but 
to look ahead of the curve and see what's coming so that you could try to anticipate it. Um, as a, as a, one of the key businesses that we're servicing the long tail, the installers in the industry, one highlights uh, or sort of track tax well, tracks well really well to your uh, investment study uh, prior to and in, in the civic time. And the other tracks to something that you, that you say was a secret sauce of civic solar. So investment in this industry is in flux and it's changing. And one of the reasons that it's changing is because high, up to now, a lot of the investment happened in much the same way the rest of Wall Street works. Uh, it went to the, those who have the information and mm-hmm. who are highly privileged and already have the money and can invest it. Tax equity in particular drove a mm-hmm. lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And education, as we talked about in episode one, stayed with the precious few, right? There is already yes, a hierarchy and a division that, in education, right? Yeah, that did and, happen. And it was difficult to duplicate or replicate that education. I, I, so I'm, I'm, in, yeah. I'm saying a lot right now, but I'd mm-hmm. love for you to pick up where I've left off because there's kind of two um, avenues that you simultaneously pursued. We're going to talk about both, but we're going to sequence them post-civic that tap into the inequity of, of capital and knowledge. Yeah, yeah. We talked a little bit about this in my like personal background of uh, – you know, the context that I grew up in and how I was frustrated to see a lot of uh, valuable, you know, I think, oh, well, I can, if I can summarize that, powerful, are, powerful people are powerful because they have, they have uh, asymmetry of information. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things they teach you at business school first is you create profits by asymmetric information advantage, but you knowing something that other people don't, or you have the skills to do something that other people don't. But, uh, and it's not like if you really put your mind into, you couldn't go create another Sunrun or solar city or, uh, you know, many of those early uh, wall street and venture backed and tax equity, uh, leveraging business models but it was a little bit frustrating to watch that from the sidelines because it was such a black box for me in the early years of civic solar to watch those uh, lease and ppa models and it's still to this day that is what drives and is complicated and most people are ignorant to how it works and and there is value there if you put your mind to it you can get it but you cannot really f- easily find how to create that solution on your own and and that is frustrating and that has always been frustrating for me personally uh, you know going to very elite uh, schools where all that education was behind uh, closed walls i would always think you know when i was in business school we would have you know it was the early days of internet and we would have some video based education and i would think why don't we just record all the classes and make it public and after two yeah. decades finally all major schools are doing that but it took two decades and and a pandemic <laughs> and a pandemic exactly and a, and a Khan academy right <laughs> exactly exactly and that brings me back to like my current activities which is uh, you know, Enki Solar, which is my investment activities, mostly venture style investing in early search companies, and also Solar Academy, which is really all about sharing information as you are gaining information. Because I think one of the ills of society is that power, knowledge, wealth likes to concentrate. And as they concentrate, and social networks are (laughs) a great example of this, network platforms, they, they make things concentrate. And it's just, you know, 
It's natural. People gravitate towards yeah. centers of power. But as that concentration happens, um, corruption happens too in most cases. Mm-hmm. Power corrupts, unfortunately. In most cases, you know, it happens frequently. And absolute power corrupts, absolutely, they say. So the only antidote to these, you know, like we talked about this in, in the last session, um, you know, how these new platforms empower people, Facebook, Twitter, they're actually empowering platforms. Yet, while they're empowering people to express themselves, to connect with others, they're creating maybe a flatter pyramid than the previous paradigm, but yet they are creating a dominant new monopolistic platform of their own that are prone to being corrupt as well. So, you know, it's a new paradigm, but they have the potential to become the new corrupt monopolistic platform. And so... The the solution to that I've thought a lot about the, in this through the you know quiet pandemic years uh, is to create systems that encourage or that have as an inherent a- attribute that shares concentrating power. So we have to create these uh, platforms, and and this is naturally happening in the uh, in the power and energy infrastructure right now with distributed power, solar mainly, solar and batteries. And and it will continue to do so. And I think power is best when it's uh, distributed and connected. Yeah. And so and we are moving towards that. And there's a ton of um, things to be done to to accelerate that transition to help that um, reality come forth. And uh, and you and I have been talking a lot about this over mm-hmm. the past year and a half, and we've been collaborating yeah. in various ways. And and. And it's really so for, very joyful. So for those who yeah. for those who missed uh, the first episode, I will reintroduce the story of Enki and Enlil. Uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But the very concise summary of the Sumerian gods Enki and his brother Enlil uh, centered around Enki's argument that sharing the knowledge of the gods with the humans would improve the relationship and the race and the evolution uh, of humanity. And that that was the honorable, that was the thing to do. And Enlil said, no, we should keep that knowledge sacred and and hidden. So with that in mind, and we talked much more about it, and I linked some Mm -hmm. articles that I think you should go read if you didn't already. But with that in mind, tell me about Enki Infrastructure Fund and how that ties Mm -hmm. to sharing sharing the, the knowledge of the gods. Yeah, the infrastructure fund, I would say, is still uh, in its very, very early days. It's it's not launched. But I would say the Enki Venture Fund, which is sure. where I do my... I'm using the wrong Yeah, words. no worries. <laughs> That's all good. Um, like my... You know, I, you know, you and I have talked about my angel investing activities. Um, I've probably done uh, three, four dozen angel investments total to date over the past uh, decade and a half. Um, and I'm quite active in the solar space but and also software tech space and i really like to invest at the intersection of software and solar um, mm-hmm. especially in uh, uh, platform SaaS like platforms that um, mm-hmm. touch the long tail and that empower the long tail um, those are the spaces that i understand that i have lived yeah. in and i feel comfortable investing in and uh, and that's been really rewarding. Um, you know, I've made some recent investments that I'm very excited about. 
And uh, so there's a ton of good activity happening there. One particular company that I would like to talk about is IV Energy, which uh, I think uh, kind of cracked the nut on uh, solving the the problem of unlocking solar for multifamily uh, apartment buildings around the nation, which is something that has, you know, 6-7% of homes have solar now in the U.S., but less than 0.1% of apartment buildings have solar. And the reason for that is right. the split incentive problem. And Ivy has um, designed a What's solution. What's the split incentive it, problem? It's uh, essentially that the landlord's incentives and the tenant's incentives are not aligned when right. you put solar on. The, because who owns the solar, who benefits from it is not exactly aligned. And it's a complicated accounting problem. You can't just divide right. up the cost of solar and give it equally or based on square footage to each tenant like other common area expenses because it's not an expense. It's actually a value creating asset and it needs to be accounted as such. And there are laws against uh, selling energy to your tenants. Uh, yeah. And it has to be done. Competing in, with the utility. In, in, competing with the, so it has to be done in a really sophisticated way where it's a four-way win, including for the utility, as well as for the tenants, as well as for the property owners and the, the EPC developers that are putting that asset on. And IV has created a beautiful solution for that. You know, that's one company that I think is uh, a key enabler for these uh, million, million dollar microgrids that we're, we're going to see yeah. around the nation. And on top of that, like around platforms like this, we're also going to see a ton of on-site microgrid-like assets, which all which which will all have really high-yielding returns, probably in the mid to high teens or higher, in terms of creating value. In, you know, just basic power production assets at a small scale, but with a simple to understand uh, economics. And uh, kind of like you know what Sunrun, Solar City, all all the early uh, lease PPA players enabled at an individual home level, but that will now ha happen at shared community level, and that's uh, that's coming too. So that's an exciting uh, opportunity. So to clarify, you have invested in uh, somewhere between thirty-five and. 50-ish companies as an angel investor. Is that the number that I was hearing? Yeah, that, that would be right. That's yeah. staggering. That's yeah. a that's a tremendous investment of time alone. Uh, right. What? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and, you, and therefore you have to have a filter, the intersection of software and solar. Yeah. What have you, what are you, what are you seeing in the investment community that excites you and how are you trying to enable innovation in that in that through the inky ventures like ivy is one example but can you mm -hmm. speak to um just sort of how through your venture investing you are helping deliver capital to um places of inequity i mean i feel like that's what ivy energy does in, in certain ways i don't know if venture investing really delivers capital to places of inequity i think it just channels capital to the to the deserving uh, entrepreneurs, and and that mm. I wouldn't necessarily call that a places of inequity. And ultimately, those products that those entrepreneurs are creating create mm. a more equitable reality for right. power um, infrastructure and you know po for power to be delivered with a little bit more equity. I mean, if you think about mm. the current utility model. 
It's a brilliant model. Like Bill Nassi talked about in his, uh, I think this first or second episode that he did with you. It, it's a brilliant uh, business model that has not changed much, but that has delivered uh, enormous levels of good for, for, for the world. Mm. And at a very low cost, distributed electricity. Yet, um, there are s- some improvements that can be done to that. And solar... Um, does bring that extra level of uh, equity, arguably, uh, in mm-hmm. certain contexts, not all contexts, because yeah. some places solar is still quite expensive vis-a-vis the local yeah. utility. But solar is good because it gives distributed power. So you, so everybody can directly access power, literally, <laughs> the term God parody comes to my mind, d- directly from the sky. And, yeah. uh, and so th- that is a very powerful, um, you know, freedom concept that um, I think most people yeah, will eventually opt for. It's still early days, but um, so it, it, so there's all of that that's coming down. Um, by, but. What have you learned as an angel investor that you'd be willing to share? I mean, a lot of folks now know that I'm um, mm-hmm. an LP in Climate Avengers. We launched the the podcast, mm-hmm. and um, I have invested in a number of different things. I'm still very much an infant mm-hmm. leaning, uh, leaning on, in many cases, friends like you to help me um, understand the world. What can you share through this medium that you wish you'd known? You know, you, the chances of success, you know, I, I was analyzing my angel investments. I think close to 40, 40% of them went to zero or 30 to 40% of them went to zero and another 30% mm. or so maybe returned the capital 1x. Uh, and then, you know, another 20, 30% returns more. And then every once in a while, you get a 8x, 10x, 20x, 50x, yeah. um, you name it. Typical venture. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what I really learned is I just learned about different businesses and what makes them succeed, what makes them fail, the dynamics between the, the founders, the team, and um, and that there's not a exact formula to success in angel investing. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the companies that I invested that I thought would do well, magnificently failed. <laughs> I can't remember the name now, but there was one that was getting a ton of, it was a tech investment and they were getting a ton of uh, publicity on TechCrunch and, um, and similar platforms. And they failed uh, <laughs> pretty fast, pretty magnificently. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I passed on some amazing opportunities like Aurora Solar in the early days, and uh, not because I what? didn't believe in uh, not, uh, not. I had a question. I was going to ask yeah. the ones that got away. Yeah. You passed on Aurora. I feel like every investor has a story like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You know, not that I didn't <laughs> like them. I I love the team, but you know that particular year for me, it, it, this was like uh, I think more than a decade ago at this point. Um, and they were yet another design tool. And I had in, invested in one similar product. And I had also at the time made a significant investment into Complete Solar, which has now become Complete Solaria, merging with yeah. the old SunPower team at Solaria and are about to go public. So I had made a significant investment in them. And that was because, and also I was driving and also investing in and raising capital for a 
series of solar farms that we as Civic Solar team were developing in the Ontario market uh, uh, with the purpose to, um, to flip those um, assets. So I, I personally and bandwidth wise, I was already pretty solar um, heavy. So I, I just said to myself, I don't need yet another solar investment. I've already made three or four major investments in solar and I'd like to keep my portfolio a little bit more diversified. And that was the reason I passed on Aurora. And uh, look at them now. Kudos to the team. And they have done an amazing job, uh, you know, over the past decade, creating a brilliant product and, and team. So, yeah, what have I learned? Uh, <laughs> there's no exact answer to venture investing and angel investing. But um, I... I, I I really enjoy meeting the the early stage teams, hearing their stories, and then if 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 their story resonates, if I understand the products, if I like the team, if I think of them as um, a team that I would like to to work with, interact with, learn from, and share some of my knowledge with, that's usually when I invest. And I don't, you know, this is gonna sound uh, <laughs> maybe a bit um, out of the norm, but I don't always think of the return, the financial return. I actually think of the joy I get out of interacting with those people and and creating products um, or helping them create their solution products and and how I can support them in in their journey. Um, so that's uh, that that's one thing that I've learned. I've learned to do the things. Uh, that I enjoy more rather than maximize for uh, financial return over the past uh, decade. But usually when you do that, financial return maximizes itself too. Yeah. So. I want to point folks to who say, well, gosh, this guy seems really smart. Surely he's not telling the whole story because that would take too long. Um, and, and there are a lot of other details. One of the things that really super impressed me when we first started really digging in together and, and you were sharing about your investments was you sent me to karenbaron.com forward slash investments. Do you remember that? And I was yeah. like, wait, you track publicly the performance of your investments? I don't know anybody that does that. I'm sure there are people that do it, but you oh, were the there, first there are to, networks like, where people do that. There are tons of people that oh, do great. that. Oh, great. But yeah. like I said, yeah, I just I'm put not it in there those circles. Because, no, I mean, if, if you're... Like if you are a geek, like a geeky Wall Street geeky young guy mm -hmm. with a investment yeah. uh, focus, there are I don't remember their names now, but there are tons of like even social network type places where people share their portfolios, compare their returns. They can keep it virtual, real. There, there there's been businesses formed around this. There yeah. are ones where people. Verify the the investments. There ones which is just virtual. People put in yeah. the information and so forth. Yeah. Well, people can go to k e r i m b a r a n dot com forward slash investments. It's one of the um, the links in the title bar. Um, you can learn a lot more about Karen there, obviously. And uh, I would encourage you to do so. And I would also encourage you uh, to click on a few of the other things that are linked of the many. There are a bunch and he doesn't actually pull them out um, to give you detail. But if you go to that website for slash investments, you'll see below the first paragraph where he taught, he has a thing that says thoughts. Um, so interestingly enough, that's not the same as the thoughts. That is one of the hyperlinks. Uh, I'll tell you why. Um, but one of the things that I think you should double click on is the post called my, my YouTube education um, specifically. Because uh, Karen points to some of his YouTube teachers. 
And Karim is one of those folks that has like, like me voraciously consumed content. And he has even uh, taken a lot of that content and turned it into, I think it's a free course, right? Yeah. Entirely of YouTube content mm-hmm. <laughs> called solar entrepreneurship. And I absolutely love it. But he also <laughs> lists people that he follows and believes um, can teach you. And there's specific areas that they can teach you. Uh, I won't go through the list here, but um but I think this is wonderful. Like the way that you capture your thoughts and, and communicate them, I love uh, because you're uh, you are living the things that you're preaching. So a couple other things I want to point out. Um, one of them we'll talk about in, in, in depth. But if you do click through on the th- actual link that goes to thoughts, you'll go to the one that is another I wanted to share with you that he wrote earlier this year called For My Fellow Entrepreneur. Um, it's actually the link that that, that that thoughts link goes to. And I think that. It's wonderful, uh, including an, uh, a handful of uh, videos that include Chamath and Mark and Dreesen, um, folks that mm-hmm. have had an indelible impact on um, on startups, tech world, investing, and, and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple of resources that I wanted to point to. I, I, there's another one that I wanted to point to that's really, on the surface, very simple. And I wanted to ask you just a question. Would you explain seven sins versus seven virtues? No, um, it was it was something cool I came across. I think it was uh, this app uh, Stumble Upon, which used to be a mm-hmm. cool website of interesting yep. websites. Which you know, as I shared with you in, during the pandemic years, which was the time right after we exited Civic Solar, so I had a ton of ton of spare time at my hands, and I was consuming a lot of content and thinking about yeah. some of the new projects that I want to focus my time on and ha- how to f- frame everything. And, and this content revolution is really happening now with, with video because video has really become prevalent. I was checking up on uh, StumbleUpon to see what happened with it because I always thought that was a cool uh, website to find uh, some very interesting, um, you know, things. And and then I realized they turned it into an app and I was downloaded it and playing with it. And I think it was one of the kind of the memes that came up in, in the new version of StumbleUpon, which is called Mix. And I, you know, had always heard of the seven sins, but never really heard of the the virtues that correspond to, which are the opposite of those sins, and came across it and thought, wow, this is really good. As a reminder, I should write this down somewhere. And I write uh, some of those things on my own personal blog site or personal website, just to yeah. be able to go back to uh, easily, you know, it's kind of like my uh, notebook that's online. So the, the opposite of pride is humility. Envy is kindness. Gluttony is abstinence. Lust is chastity. Anger is patience. And greed is liberality. And sloth is diligence. And I I think a lot more about these things in my mid-age now mm-hmm. than than when I was younger, you know? Yeah, I I yeah. I would say I was probably guilty of. Uh, I would say, yeah, all of these <laughs> at different times of my life, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I try to practice the the virtues now a lot mm-hmm. more, and uh, so that's. Is there anything that comes particularly more difficult than others? Patience uh, is something that um, is um. I, I think I've made some good um, improvements on lately, and, uh, and Kieran doesn't like to wait. Yeah, 
I pointed to these um, forward slash investments. There's a whole slew. If you're still watching here, I'll, I'll keep this open. My YouTube education, I really think you should go and check this post out. It's wonderful. Uh, this is the seven sins. Um, this is, the, if you click on the top link, thoughts, this will take you to For My Fellow Entrepreneur, which is thoughts on entrepreneurship. Um, yeah, these are, if you, th this is the most recent post that I wrote. That, it is. And, and yep. you can see all posts if you just go to the homepage, if you click on the, mm -hmm. you'll see them as well. But yeah. Yeah. And if you scroll down, you will see uh, mm -hmm. on the left bottom, there's all the posts uh, that I've put on in the last few years, I would say. This one. I was starting from the bottom. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. On the yeah, left just side. Yeah. On the them, left yeah. column. There. And it's the same. Yeah. That's the same on, on most yeah, of the other. Exactly. Um, I think that the state of solar is actually a really good yeah. one that I would encourage oh, yeah. folks that, to go. Have you watched this, Nico? Particularly. Yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah. Particularly because you, yeah, the, uh, you, it was, it was you presenting to an Australian guy. Uh, actually, he's a French um, guy, a uh, French entrepreneur, a brilliant French. French entrepreneur, Fabrice okay. Grinda. Right. And uh, he's uh, also, very focused on uh, network business models and he's a he's a super angel investor to the nth degree uh, in the sense that i think uh, his company does on average one or two investments a a week every wow. week of the year so they do i think 50 to 75 a year if i'm not mistaken oh and goodness. and they decide within the first conversation they they decide within the first two hours of interacting they would have to yeah and, and they, and they don't usually lead but he's also a multiple time very successful entrepreneur so yeah. he he invests but he also incubates a couple of startups all the time mm. like every every year he has um, you know at any point in time he has one or two startups that his team is developing as well which is yeah. which is really great and he's a very curious very smart um princeton mckinsey guy turned uh internet entrepreneur and tech entrepreneur yeah. and he was interested in solar and we did this conversation and the last five ten minutes also include kind of my investment approach and investment thesis yeah. and you know i even have suncast there as a potential uh game changer in the in the media and learning uh, you know education media oh, let's talk more about uh, that okay so, <laughs> so so yeah. um, what, he, what he's referring to actually is a graph, sort of like a green tech media style graph. Yeah, it was just a slide that I, I broke down. So I, which I, is really focused on, on the part of the industry that I know, which is the yeah. long tail and the long tail of many independent players and platforms that serve that find it. That serve that uh, segment. Yeah, it's right yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So around 53 minutes, you can see there's a breakdown yeah. here. Uh, yeah. And, you know, many of the companies here, that I said would fit in my thesis of investment. Like back when I made the slide, Helioscope and Aurora had not merged. I hadn't really invested in Ivy. Um, yeah. We hadn't really started collaborating in a meaningful way, you and I in Suncast and, yeah. and, and my Solar Academy project. And, and there are also like, there are many companies here that I um, yeah. think hold a lot of potential. Yeah. Have you been curious about utility-scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. 
Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on Suncast. Yeah, you. Thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know. I can hardly believe it myself. (laughs) But that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. Well, with that in mind, there was another um, thing that you wrote earlier in the year that maybe is a good uh, way to tee up Mm. the next conversation. Okay. I've said multiple times that um, you are a serial entrepreneur and you still have more uh, more gas in the tank, so to speak. Um, you describe this other project, Solar Academy, as your third rodeo. Mm. Um, I want you to start. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this up for a minute, but in case you want to point to anything or or use it in any way. But mm-hmm. talk about the inception moment where the sort of the grain of an idea was planted for what would become Solar Academy. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, we haven't really so- talked about Solar Academy, but Solar Academy, yeah, we haven't talked about it in this in these sessions so far. Yeah. And you and I have. T- well, what talked. I said earlier was there were two things that I felt like you learned at Civic. One was um, about the need for more investment, and you saw the nexus of SaaS and Longtail, and and that it worked and was necessary. And you've invested almost fifty times in that. And the other was education. Uh, so education. We sort of, yeah. Sort of I mean, together. we talked yeah. about it in the beginning of this session, how ignorant or how inefficient that education process is for the average homeowner. You know, I think you could probably, if if done well, one could probably summarize the value prop of a solar asset on a home in, you know, a dozen 30 to 60 second sound bites, TikTok sound bites that really kind of like wake up an average homeowner. But then there's probably another uh, couple dozen similar sound bites that really need to be kind of ingrained into the brains of people yeah. for them to understand. And, and, and that's just B2C side of education. But th- then there's a whole other B2B side of how you put together that whole system, how the products fit, and now there's so much innovation and, and all these uh, products evolving over time. And that is essentially the business that we were in at Civic Solar. We educated thousands of independent contractors. Most of them were electrical, HVAC, uh, general contractors getting into the business of solar. And we handheld, we hand, our job was to handhold them through their first few projects when they for them to understand how everything fit and then they would become loyal customers for a while when they got too big they would unfortunately leave us and go to uh, bigger distributors but we did a great job of educating them and we made some money through margin of selling product it was not the most profitable or the most uh, 
leveraged business model from a profit standpoint, but it was a, a decent business which created a lot of value uh, for many players. And what I realized in that process was that we, we were mainly a force for educating contractors. And what, what did we do? We invited, uh, you know, we had a, at our peak, I think we had uh, about 35 salespeople across three sales offices in uh, the Bay Area, Boston, and Austin, Texas. And we would invest every week one to two hours to educate our sales force. And we would invite our vendors to come and train them. Uh, and, you know, people like you from major uh, manufacturers would come and educate our sales force, talk about their product. Sometimes a product manager would come, sometimes a trainer would come. And, and I, and the next day after this training, I would observe the sales floor and usually every salesperson would call their, um, you know, accounts and repeating the same two, three key two, three, four key sentences, key value prop messages that they took away from the, from the previous day's education. And that would be a way to catch up with the, with the accounts, uh, talk about their other needs. And, you know, generally we did a good job of conveying these new, uh, new uh, information to the customers, but sometimes uh, it was a little bit like whisper down the lane game. The, mess- yeah. the messages got Telephone. lost, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially the, uh, you know, rookie salespeople would make that mistake. And, and also there was a ton of parallel processing and many of the time we would just leave a voicemail and never get a hold of the account. And, and back around that time, this is like early 2010s, 11, 12, 13 timeframe, Khan Academy had just come out and they're in the business of educating people and they've done a brilliant job of capturing a ton of educational uh, content on video. And I would think, why don't we just capture these things on video? And at the time, inside Civic Solar, we couldn't really do it. There were many reasons, but it just... I think it, it just wasn't the time. I always passionately argued for it in, in the company, but, uh, you know, it just was a little too difficult to pull off. Uh, yet, you know, a lot of Civic Solar's customers came to us because we shared information publicly. And I would say we should put some of these videos online. We should put them on the website, send links to them, and so on and so forth, which is now becoming more commonplace against... Uh, uh, amongst big uh, manufacturers in the industry. But there's still, I think, a lack of central repository where one could go and find all information. I think the, the closest thing to that is Suncast as a platform hmm. in the industry. Thank you. And, and, but, you know, if you want to hear the, the latest and the greatest thing about Trina's uh, modules, which you did a recent episode on, yeah, you can listen to it there. But what about the other dozen competitors and what are they doing differently? Like, it's not so easy to reach that information. You still have to do a lot of uh, digging and one-on-one conversations. And some of that can be put on video and can be stored in a central repository on the web um, so that um, it's easier to reach. And, and this is not going to, you know, salespeople shouldn't be scared about this because it's not going to take away their jobs. It's just another tool that will bring them more leads, if anything, that will make their jobs easier, that will save them time so they can save the first 20 to 50% of their, um, you know, conversation. They can 
share those videos ahead of time, themselves speaking, in fact. And I, th- I would recommend every, every salesperson to create their own videos with their personality, their style of communication, and, and share those with their accounts. And, and, and I think a common repository is needed for all of this to reside in too. And that is Solar Academy. And of course, while we're talking about that, that platform is going to has the potential to become a winner-take-all platform, which is also prone to getting corrupt over time if it succeeds. So we have to, if we're going to create a platform like this, and you and I have been discussing about, we've been talking about this for a long time, we have to really design it in a very um, thoughtful manner so that we're constantly sharing that concentrating power um, in the in the best ways. So I don't know if that model yeah. is going to be more like Wikipedia or if it's going to be like ChatGPT or whatever. Uh, but there are many elements to be thought through. And you and I have been having a ton of fun time and joy and, um, you know, talking about that. And, and now we're close to uh, getting our early customers uh, using Solar Academy in some meaningful ways. So... Well, uh, I want to, uh, for those who are a little confused right now, uh, for on two fronts, <laughs> the first is there is, yes, if you're in the residential industry, you've met, you maybe have heard of other entities and there's more than one that use the term solar Academy. Um, however, oh, yeah, solaracademy.com and the trademark are owned by Karen Baron. Um, and I suppose I really asked Nico uh, at this point. <laughs> and I, yeah, I was going to say, I suppose maybe the cat's out of the bag and by yeah. us um, in partnership. And the other is, of course, um, Solar Academy that is owned by SMA, which is one of the longest standing Solar Academy. They uh, actually own a trademark as well for education around Solar Academy. We can talk a bit about IP and things like that in a minute if you want. Um, but I do want to make sure because I've, I've had conversations with folks and say, wait, isn't there a Solar Academy already? Um, and the answer is, there are other uh, entities operating with similar names. Um, this is not that. And also, uh, candidly, neither. I don't think that they're in competing sectors, frankly. So if you've, if you've gotten this far and, um, would, and you're just now your in- interest is peaked, um, yes, Karim and I are in the process of building a social knowledge sharing platform that Karim uh, started and invited me to, uh, to help build. This interview is not intended to be uh, a full uh, sort of launch or divulgence of that, but I do encourage and would encourage you to go check out solaracademy.com. I'd be an idiot not to, um, because I think that you will find that what I have always said is true. I intend to pull back the veil and I intend to help people um, learn how to find their path into the clean energy transition. Uh, from other jobs, from um, different roles in this industry to find new roles, to help businesses find one another, uh, which is a role that I've had. I mean, the number of people who have reached out and said that they've gotten a job in the industry because they listen to Suncast and, quote, nailed the interview at their dream company. It's very meaningful. Also, you helped uh, a lot of people that were in corporate jobs venture out to become yeah. entrepreneurs, which is, I think, another really noble path. Yeah, it's true. I've heard people say, if you're not embarrassed with your first version, you launched too late. And I genuinely was never embarrassed of Suncast. 
um, until like four or 500 episodes. And I went back and listened to the old stuff. And then I was like, oh my God, I, they were, it's still true. The, the adage is true, but I was, there was never a point where I was embarrassed of, um, the product of, of Suncast. Um, and I never felt like I'd launched too, uh, too early. Uh, I did feel like I'd launched too late. And, and I th- maybe that's actually proof positive of the adage. Cause I waited, um, I think six months to launch Suncast. And then many know the story. I put it on pause when I was working on Faro and modern energy and, um, and to went from like episode, I think nine or 11. Um, it took me like nine or 10 months, man. I, I wish I had those 10 months back. Um, and I wish I had the three months, um, back that I paused between, uh, when I got laid off at Conergy, um, all the things that I could have just invested my time more wisely. So when you do go look at solar Academy, look through the lens of how Karim, what you've learned about Karim, about his intention. Look through the lens of where, uh, what this is going to look like when every solar manufacturer, when every storage manufacturer, and, uh, and I'll go even further, when every solar developer is sharing their wisdom openly because they recognize that doing so is a requirement in an era where every company is a media company and know that the vision for solar academy is so much more than what we've captured in the in the version 1 that's live on on solaracademy.com but we're not embarrassed to put it out to the world um and Karen and I've talked i mean we met uh, and really strategized deeply in january so it's taken now till <laughs> end of july beginning of august to just even get comfortable with the idea of talking about it in public um, because I'm a perfectionist and Karim is impatient. Um, <laughs> so he's pushed, he's pushed harder than I've been willing to, to, to release. Um, yeah. but so, so let's talk a bit about it, Karim. I think that, I mean, we've gone back and forth. What should we talk about at this point in the interview? Um, we are you know, fully two hours into our interview. I think that we don't need to go deep, deep into the details, but what, what does, uh, the manifestation of that sort of, um, decentralization of knowledge mm-hmm. actually result in what does it yield in a in a venue or a container like solar academy you know this is a topic that i actually um had a, a philosophical conversation about with brian hayden of East spring too which is a, a close friend and collaborator and um you know how you know people like us you me brian i think we we naturally um, lean towards sharing more information than less, and and, and I think it's just that that's how we're born. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know if there's more to that. Maybe there is some. Uh, and then the question that we deeply discuss is like, okay, so sharing is good, but do you share everything? Yeah. Do you share with the world how to make a nuclear bomb? <laughs> Probably not. You know, mm. and but. Sh- Erring a little bit more on the side of sharing just a few more things that you wouldn't normally share doesn't yeah. hurt. And right. I think we can share a lot more, especially with the advent of uh, video technologies now and how uh, prevalent they are and how uh, economical they are and how mm-hmm. much you can communicate and how that helps create trust in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, so the, the, th- the thought that Brian shared with me was, yeah, I think sharing is good. You don't have to sh- you share. It's good to share everything you're working on, but you don't necessarily have to share every detail about how you are 
bringing about those products. So it's good to share about the products you're working on, but you don't have to share all your secret sauce, but, but, but share. And the more you put out there, and I've seen this, uh, both in the business model of Yonja, the social network, you know, creating a social network. I literally was the first person to create a profile on the social network and invited friends. And it yeah. felt really back in, you know, in 2003 timeframe, that felt really, there was a lot of stigma to those kinds of platforms and putting your picture yeah. and sharing your profile. It felt a little unnatural, to, you know, but it when I did it, my friends did it too. And then, you know, that started the social media um, phenomena in some way. I mean, I, I'm not saying I did that or Yonja did that, but few, several dozen companies did that. And, and, and you know, everybody talks about um, Moore's Law and Swanson's Law in our industry. But there's also a thing called Zuck's Law, which is the fact that content or information and content shared on the internet is doubling every two years or something similar to that. So, and and that's a trend that is not going to change. And I've seen this play out at Yonja, you know, it became a viral platform. And I've seen this play out at Civic Solar in the sense that we shared more information in uh, more detail and more organized curated way than most of our competitors. And that brought us literally hundreds of fresh new customers and phone calls with zero marketing spend every month, month over month in the early days of Civic Solar uh, and even in, into the you know recent years. Um, so when you put good, thoughtful content out there, it, it pays and it, it givers gain. So you, you put it out on the internet and it brings back um, prospects, customers, partners, you name it. So that's been my observation. And, and, and in a way, Solar Academy's purpose is to enable creative thoughts and, and solutions to find their customers and their matches in, in the universe in, in some way. You know? So that even if you are a local installer, you, you, could, you, know, you could think of some, some creative way to design a new solution and that could become a an idea for a manufacturer with whom you could partner and, you know, create a new product with and maybe own a piece of, or, yeah. you know, own the that, marketing rights for there, there's so yeah. much um, creative solutions that come from sharing. You know that. I do. And I think that a lot of folks don't think big enough and, um, and that, that small thinking, that sort of insular thinking around um, your particular vertical or zip code region, et cetera, prevents people from sharing and, and teaching and educating mm-hmm. at some other future point. Uh, Karim and I will share a bit of some of the inspirations that we look to that are engaging, uh, sort of re-engaging our brains on how to create and share content in a different way. Uh, but when I saw what you were working on, and share with you what I was working on. It was sparks flying. I remember it um, very clearly. It was like yeah. last September. And then um, even more deeply in November, uh, my team and I were actively engaged with uh, our, our guests from the show and our clients that were uh, advertising with us or just paying us for this or that content creation piece. And I was asking the simple question, tell me one piece of content that you created last year that was important to you. And they would tell me, and then I would say, and can you point me to it? 
and the number of folks who were leaders in their company who could not positively identify how to point me to a piece of content that they had already just proclaimed was a moving piece of content that was relevant and, and evergreen and needed to be found. And they invested in a ton of uh, resources to That's produce. Right. <laughs> wasn't all under their fingertips, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was staggering to me how we as an industry have created one single-use content that is evergreen educational content. The pandemic proliferated it, and it's all siloed in servers all over the place. Like, I mean, I, I often point to, uh, you know, uh, I think it's uh, Clinergy is a racking company that is from Australia. I've, uh, I had a project where we installed Clinergy. I came across a random, just trying to prove the point, came across a random video and there happened to be like maybe four or five videos on the Clinergy site. Clinergy, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm sorry, just bring your stuff to Solar Academy. Um, but I looked and the guy said in this episode of Clinergy Academy, right? And I thought, that's really interesting. And he was just teaching about their product. And I thought, well, that's really smart. If I'm the sales guy, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to send that to all of my prospects, right? And he's already posting it on YouTube anyway. I found it without knowing what I was looking for. But most people aren't going online looking for Clinergy as a product to be educated about fixed tilt, you know, um, ground mount racking. And therefore, the idea that Clinergy needs their own individualized um, academy, so to speak, is actually an inefficient expense for that organization to try and stand that up on their website and their own YouTube channel, et cetera, because it actually got found. I think that video might have 30 views, right? It may have had 30 views. How many views is relevant is a whole other conversation about who is the right person to watch it rather than how many people watched it. But I mean, as a social media uh, network master, Karen um, could speak uh, ad nauseum about that. But when Karen and I started talking, we started realizing there are hundreds of clinergies out there who would love for their content to be consumed. They would love for their salespeople to be able to reference it and recognize the underlying business model of best company and Yelp and other uh, referential third-party validation sites that simply say, you're looking for something, but you don't really want to go to the manufacturer's website yet. You don't really want to go to the developer's website. You're not ready to engage with them directly, but you are looking for comparisons. How much is this going to cost? Who are the top people in this industry? What do I need to know? Please tell me the real things that fail in an inverter, right? Don't tell me that there are no moving parts. Tell me how often I have to replace it. Don't tell me uh, this. Tell me, uh, you know, tell me the truth of the matter. And I found that there are people telling that truth and they're never getting found. And I thought, you know what? I know what that feels like. And I want to create a way to help those companies be found. And when I found uh, Karen and what you were doing with Solar Academy, I was just like, this is, this is a match made in heaven, a way to offer not just companies, but individuals, the place to share their individual knowledge and wisdom or their corporate knowledge and wisdom to be seen as uh, thought leaders, to be discovered in an, in, in an environment where many of their peers are also posting that shared wisdom and knowledge. So we call it a social, social knowledge sharing platform because it's, it's generated not by, not by us, Nico, but by those who contain the knowledge and are wanting to share it or are willing, as I say on Suncast, to pull back the veil. And uh, I mean, I, I, I share with this with you, Karen, and I'll finish on this. Like I was truly um, not just impressed, but intimidated when I first saw what we were doing, because I said, Karen doesn't care. 
he cares more for getting the content than for highly producing it. And I cared more for highly producing it, right? I cared about my image. I cared about whether um, it looked good. I cared about whether it sounded highly like radio quality. And I said, you know, it it seems to me like that's important. Thank you. And it is important. And it's what I built my reputation on. But what's also true is I knew that you would do so many reps, so many more reps, because you're not focused on being perfect, that you would eventually uh, become prolific and noticed and catch and catch up in some way. Right. Or you would engage enough people that it would allow you to 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 bring sort of an army of creators and uh, and I just realized, okay. I, I never I need... thought I could do that without you, though, because thank you. your your platform is, <laughs> if I may, <laughs> related to that story about my brother recruiting the first early users for the social network <laughs> from the previous episode. <laughs> your platform, you are that. You are that. Uh, you are my brother in, in a way, mm-hmm. in that sense, because you know, and 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 this. This journey is dots from my past reconnecting for Solar Academy in in many ways. And and you are my brother that I will build this with. I have no doubt about that. I appreciate that. Um, We started this not knowing how and where and and how long uh, it would take uh, to end it. Um, But I think that we are at a good place where I can ask sort of a a few final questions that I always do. And move beyond this, but I will encourage everyone to go to KarenBaran.com and read how uh, how Karen thinks and writes. Uh, and I do hope that you'll check out SolarAcademy.com because we are up to something really interesting and really special. And I'm grateful that not just Karen, but customers of Suncast have begun to see the opportunity there. Um, and that's all I'll say about that for now. With that in mind, I'm curious because you have invested in and often, and you're just sort of a voracious consumer of tech and and, and content. Um, in the nexus of sort of climate tech, is there anything that you personally are vested in just from an attention perspective or even invested in personally that's not Ivy that, um, that you think is kind of the coolest thing you've come across in the last t- six to 12 months? My attention is mostly on uh, on Solar Academy and a handful of other early stage uh, companies, some of which mm-hmm. don't have that humongous uh, platform potential that IV has, but I, I yeah. truly enjoy working with. Um, one of those is Stable Solar, uh, uh, by yeah. the way, of uh, Greg Sellers. I think he's doing something unique in the sense that He's, you know, we talked, you were just talking about, you know, those inverter problems that happen, but, you know, yeah. the, the consumers or the asset owners not being able to, or not being totally in the know about all the ins and outs of that. And and Greg's model is, I, I really like it because it's direct to consumer and he, unlike, and he interfaces directly with the owner of the asset to benefit them. Right. Uh, and he's only in the business of maintaining and fixing the assets. He's not in the business of uh, installing. installing. And that creates a different incentive and dynamic to um, really uh, educate and benefit uh, the um, the customer, which uh, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. And, and th- there are some really other interesting uh, models out there. If I can... Th- Think of one, you know, the Collective Sun team, which has been really focused on the nonprofit space. They are uh, working on uh, some innovative new uh, 
manufacturing opportunities uh, uh, focused on the um, disadvantaged uh, population, mainly uh, people who have been incarcerated or uh, people with autism, uh, and the opportunity to hire these people in small local solar manufacturing facilities. factories and you know panel factories and uh, and things like that which i think is really unique and and these are not necessarily you know billion dollar ideas but i think is these are some really cool things that i see happening in in the field um i don't know yeah. if this was uh, the kind of answer you were looking for when you asked this but yes yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up stable um, comes up to my mind yeah. yeah i was trying to think of um the name of a company that like the the stable solar is the x of y because mm-hmm. um i can't think of it but the company that provides like tech warranties uh if you buy stuff at um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know best buy or whatever or verizon so, uh yeah yeah so like stables I, I stables sure. focused on yeah sta- stables focused on after installation not uh, there are others who are focused on like selling it alongside pre-installation yeah. stables going after the millions of customers who already have solar and don't have a warranty right. <laughs> um Okay. For lots of reasons. I talked about it with Andy from Australia, how many in Australia don't have uh, a warranty because the company that sold it to him went out of business and yeah, that's which happening. Is, which is the case and, in the U S too. That happens a that's lot. Right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, if you started your own podcast, who would be the first guest you'd interview? Uh, and I'm looking like particularly from like climate tech. That would be you. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely It'd be, be the, you. Yeah. It would be the second. <laughs> John, John, probably. And uh, Bill Nussie, Bill, Bill Nussie, yeah, okay. Andy Klump. Those nice. are your, uh, your, your regulars, uh, I think. It is. There's a reason I love it. for that. Um, all right. So, uh, you know that I believe readers are leaders and leaders are readers. I'm a voracious leader. Um, you've recommended some life-changing books to me. Um, uh, you re- really, truly, we haven't even talked about some of the things that I'm experiencing right now, reading some of the books that you've re- recommended recently, but what reading uh, would you recommend? And I want to tailor it to folks who are truly trying to discover what they're about and what they're capable of and how to channel that force into the clean energy transition. I don't know. I don't know if there's a book to read for that. I, like, mm, okay. I, I think, well, then, well, yeah, there is. It is, uh, I, I, and we were talking about this book in one of our recent conversations, Surrender Experiment. I knew it. I knew that's Mainly what you because <laughs> it teaches people to slow down and, yeah. and really mm-hmm. listen to themselves and listen Michael to that, um, yeah. that's not quite voice inside, um, which yeah. I think most people have, but most people don't yeah. always listen to, especially in the um, busy is- Western world, I'll, I'll say. Um, yeah. That book is rocking my world right now, by the way. And I've had dozens of people recommend the book and I've never read it until, you know, a few weeks ago when you said, Nico, you really should read this book. I think you're ready for it. <laughs> and, um, and you're absolutely right. So is there any other one or two books that you routinely gift or recommend and why? Yeah, there's this little book, uh, which was actually our, uh, one of my colleagues from Civic Solar, uh, recommended to me, uh, or he was carrying them, and I think I saw them, and I thought these are cool books. I, I got a, so I have like a dozen of each, which is uh, that a Vietnamese uh, monk. I forget his name now. Teach, he has a two books: How to Love and Thich How Nhat to Fight. Han. Yeah, Teach Not Han. Yes, How to uh-huh. Love and How to Fight. 
Mm-hmm. Those are uh, books that I gift frequently and I, I, I refer to. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do read quite a bit of Buddhist type philosophy. And, um, you know, that resonates with my personality, I think, uh, more. And so I do go to that, those types of uh, books when I am, when I'm not feeling centered, I should say. I used to read a ton of nonfiction productivity type or, you know, useful tips and sort of books. But those were, you know, even like how to get getting things done or what's that book? Mm -hmm. You know, like things like that, that helped with my productivity in my, you know, in my twenties and thirties and forties. But right now I'm, I think uh, my life is a a little bit about doing, doing less and doing more at the same time. And just, uh, Focusing on the few things that matter, at least at this stage of my career, that seems to be at the forefront. (laughs) Do you have a habit or consistent practice that you feel has yielded the greatest impact in your life or created the most leverage? I love swimming. So ocean swimming is something that I do quite often in San Diego. And that is traditionally that has been my meditation through my 20s, 30s, 40s. but starting about five years ago, I actually, pre-COVID, I did uh, two 10-day silence retreats. Um, and, and since then, I have been uh, practicing uh, meditating every morning uh, for, a, you know, sometimes it's five minutes, but sometimes it'll be half an hour, or some days it could even be an hour. Um, so I try to get that in every day. And and most days, uh, I'll try to get in a swim and some stretching and uh, and uh, similar practices. Yeah. Well, Karen, I've left love enough rabbit trails uh, for folks to connect with you. Is there one place that you are most engaged? Where do you like to be found? How can folks reach you? Email is fine. My name at Gmail or Karen at Solar Academy or Karen at Inky Solar or LinkedIn. You know, all of those. Uh, work. So I'll I'll just rephrase all of that. If you're interested in learning more about Karim and uh, his philosophy, go to karimbaran.com. If you are interested in how you could participate in Solar Academy, email him directly at k-e-r-i-m at solaracademy.com. If you are interested in in Karim considering investment into your startup, email him at karim, k-e-r-i-m at inkisolar.com, E-N-K-I, solar.com. How was that? Right. Perfect. Well, let's end uh, as we often do with the bold prediction. What do you see as the critical path obstacle that we will need to overcome to unlock the true potential of the clean energy transition? Figure out a win for the utility companies in this transition. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I have a, I have a feeling, um, you know, companies like Sunrun, um, have been uh, working efficiently with them, but the cost of solar is still too high. It can be so much lower, and and there's there's the inefficiencies created by the utility companies and also local uh, codes and 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 regulations. Um, those are the biggest obstacles in the U.S. market. Um, not in every market in the world, but in the U.S. market. And there's a ton of innovative companies doing very exciting things uh, to circumvent that or to change that, to bring more efficiency. Yeah. We got to get to $2 a watt residential solar. 
<laughs> you know, we got to get to a dollar yeah. and a half. It's not that difficult. As Jigger says, it's uh, simple, but not easy. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm grateful for you, my friend. Thank you for taking the time to swing by Suncast Studios. Karen Baran is an armchair philosopher, an entrepreneur of entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneur, a, uh, a deep, uh, a deep hearted person who is investing not just in businesses, but in humans. And uh, I look forward to all the things that you now look forward to about what Karen is bringing into the world. You can follow along at solaracademy.com as we, as we have explained I would encourage you to go connect with Karim on LinkedIn. And uh, of the many, many guests I've had on Suncast, Karim is one of the few who will truly answer your message and get on the phone with you. It may take a while, but he'll do it. Karim, thank you for taking the time here to share with the thousands of people who um, I have the privilege of uh, giving your voice to. Thank you, Nico. All right, Solar Warriors. Well, that is quite a lot of information to digest. Thank you for staying all the way to the end. You are my super fans and I salute you. Thank you, Karim, as well for uh, being so transparent and vulnerable here in this conversation and the hundreds of times prior to this conversation that um, we have mulled over what to share and how. Uh, thank you for being ready to talk about your life. And, um, and I hope that folks... I've learned from you, as I have, as many others have. And I want to hear from you. What did you learn here from Karen? What are you excited about? How can you apply the lessons from Yonja and Civic Solar, uh, the lessons that Karen has uh, shared with us here over the last two-part episode about how to build a business, what to look for? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I've posted over on LinkedIn, as I always do, this episode and uh, you could find that at the Suncast podcast uh, on LinkedIn and certainly I'll have posted on my personal link as well. That along with all of the links and the other research that I've done to prep for this conversation is ready and waiting for you in the show notes at mysuncast.com where you'll find Karim's YouTube and LinkedIn links as well. So I hope that you will dig in, uh, dig in deeper. There's so much to unpack in this two-part episode. Maybe you can go back and re-listen to it if you've got an extra two hours and a half in, uh, in spare time. But I want to thank you for your time. That investment has not landed on fallow soil. And I know that this is a meaningful contribution to your growth individually. And I'm thankful that you are here. Pray that you'll come back again next week as we always have our thoughtful deep dive with a subject matter expert on Tuesdays and another executive profile like this one with with Karen on Thursdays, uh, helping you uh, in your battle on the front lines of the clean energy transition. And those that help bring this for free to you, we call sponsors and we're grateful for those sponsors because uh, they continue to to elevate the message uh, in a way that allows you to enjoy it. And the only thing it costs you is your attention. So if you would uh, go take a moment at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsors and check out those who help support this show. Um, They truly are um, my favorite people and and my champions. I'm grateful for them. And that's also how you could find ways that you could partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week, just like they do. 
there are many ways that you could contribute to the clean energy transition. Listening to Suncast and sharing it is uh, is a non-trivial one. So we're grateful that you're here. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.